Morning, church. How are we doing? Morning. Who has seen Antiques Roadshow? Anybody know the program I'm talking about? Homes Under the Hammer, the whole principle, you know, bargain, whatever it is, hunt. You know, it's all about trying to find something of value in your closet that actually you didn't know was there, you know, and so with generations that's died and we just put things away and then somebody finds this incredible treasure and they go, wow, this is worth, you know, 250 pounds and people go, wow, isn't it, you know, and it's all about a hidden value. It's all about not knowing something was there. Well, this series, we're starting off brand new, is about looking at the Ten Commandments. And the thing is that I think we, we take the Ten Commandments for granted. I think we put them in the closet. We don't know in there. But in there, if we take time just to go and pull out the Ten Commandments that God has set into our life, we realize they're of incredible value. So we're going to do a series, each one, um, on the Ten Commandments. And it's all about going into that kind of closet, find out, going, wow, this is incredible. Now, if you've got your Bibles with me, I'm going to start off in Exodus chapter 19. For those who are savvy, will know that the Ten Commandments is Exodus chapter 20. But I love, want to just kind of start with a backstory, if I can. We're all from different cultures here, by the way. If you're from a Western culture background, when you look at a photo and of a person, you will look at the person. You might look at the kind of wrinkles on their eyes. You might look at their hair or their eye color, you know, or their palette, and you'll look at the individual. If you're from a Far Eastern culture, you're actually less interested in the person to start with, but you look at the environment in which they're sat. You might look at the chair they're on. You might look at the room they're in. You might look at the decor. What it is and, and actually from an eastern culture we look at the holistic view whereas in a western culture we're a little bit more focused what exodus 19 is is the holistic view and then exodus 20 is the focus view. you understand the difference between that because there's something incredible in exodus 19 that we miss if we're not aware of the backstory okay and the ten commandments is when moses meets god on the top of mount sinai so verse 1, exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. And after breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and they set up camp there at the base of the mountain. Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel that you've seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the people of the earth. From all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is a message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain, called together the elders of the people, told them everything that the Lord had commanded them, and all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. And so Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. And so Moses is then recalled back up to the mountain. And there's an incredible revelation and God says to him, go and make sure the people are holy. Go and make sure they're consecrated. Go and make sure the people are ready. Prepare them for what I'm about to say. Holistically, God is getting the people ready for something incredible. Prepare everybody and everybody is there like you are this morning, prepared and ready for God to speak. And he takes Moses up to the mountain and then he surrounds the mountain in a storm. 
and there's the lightning going and everybody is watching. Imagine right now if suddenly you couldn't see me because a storm suddenly enveloped me and there was lightning bolts. You'd be like, wow, man of God, Aaron, wouldn't you? <laughs> you'd be slightly concerned as well for my, obviously, my personal welfare, wouldn't you? You know, this is what is going on. But the people are watching. The people are waiting. And here's what's happened is a dialogue between God and Moses because God is speaking. I want us to start with this very much. When we look at the Ten Commandments, these are the words of God. They are the recorded words of God. They are what God wanted to say in building a community, in building a people, in building a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And I want to kind of give an invitation. He was bringing the people into that relationship with us. So it's a significant point. And suddenly he comes down and then chapter 20. The direct thing, it says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must have no other gods before me. You must not make for yourself the idol of any kind of image or anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God and I will not tolerate your affection for any of the gods. And God suddenly starts speaking. So I want us to get to a place when we look at the Ten Commandments to understand, number one, these are the words of God. These are the plans of God. These are the frameworks of God. And we know that this moral code has been the foundation for societies all over the world. And the danger now is you can see a balance and shift by which they work with God as worshipping God and, and how we work with each other. And suddenly there is a tendency, let's just take God off the table. And let's just focus on how we all get along. And have you noticed, the more we do that, the more rocky it gets. And so we need to understand what God is saying during this season so that we can hear what the commandment is. And just for your help today, I'm going to start with the first two commandments and then we're going to incrementally go through them as we get to understand this and what it is all about. There's a church in uh, Texas called the Cowboy Church. Uh, anybody fancy you want to go to Cowboy Church? I'm sure they have a license to carry, you know, and things like that. So it sounds cool, but they've summarized the Ten Commandments, you know. Uh, just one God, on your mom and pa, no telling tales or gossiping. Get yourself to Sabbath meeting. Put nothing before God. No, f- this is on their church wall. No fooling around with another fella's gal. No killing, which is like if you're wearing a firearm. Watch your mouth. Don't take what yours is. Don't be hankering for your buddy's stuff. Simplifies what it's all about and rules to live by. And this is what I think. These are laws to live differently. If we understand this, we're going to live differently from the way that the world is called. And there were ten commandments. Then God gave Moses an extra 42. And then throughout the end of the history of the Jewish people, he had a 613 on top of that. And there's a reason for that, by the way. Because if only it was simple, if only ten things could keep us on the straight and narrow. How many times has your mum and dad told you something that you didn't listen? You've lost count, isn't it? I'm not telling you this again, but I'm about to tell you again what you should be doing. We all know that. And the reason is, and that's what God does during the whole Testament. Here's Ten Commandments, and then they rebel. Here's a load more, and then they rebel. And then here's a load more, and then they rebel. And here's a load more, and then they rebel. And you get this until 613, and here's the point. It does not matter how many laws I give you. If you walk away from me, you will still end up in trouble. Because we miss the first commandment. God is number one. 
Charlene, can you do me a favor? Can you come and take this? And can you, every time I mention God is number one, can you just wave it for everybody to see? You sat in the wrong chair this morning. <laughs> if that's all right. There you go. Lead out. Thank you. You can go back and sit there. I won't be embarrassed with the whole thing. It's going to be weird. You'll see later. Can you imagine, right, playing a sport and we suddenly go, we are, we've had enough of the rules, right? So I'm, I'm a, when I say I'm a golfer, I like to play golf. You know, there's a, there's, there's a difference there, isn't that, you know? So these are my golf clubs. I bought them in specially for this in, in church. Can you imagine, right, if suddenly we go, no, we don't like the rules of golf. We're just going to change it, you know, because it's just like, it's just... We don't want the fair. We're just going to make it really wide, isn't it? We're not going to have a whole wave up the uh, the flag, isn't it? You know, that's just so restricting, isn't it? You know, this, in fact, the ball's too small, isn't it? We're not going to get take a ball. We're going to get a big ball. The hole's too small. We're going to make it a lot bigger, isn't it? Whatever you do, suddenly if we start to mess with the rules of a sport, what happens to it? Heresy. No. <laughs> Some people say it's all good. There should be no sport. What happens is it's boundaries that actually release us. I don't know in life, you know, but boundaries around us actually set us free. Boundaries protect us. Boundaries give us ways to work in. And actually God says, I am actually going to set you free by living under certain boundaries and constraints. And if you do that, you'll be live well. Step over the line and it gets harder. Now, I'm not a perfect goaler, by the way, so if you don't know golf, by the way, it's all about a fairway, you know, and it's like, so imagine the kind of the, the middle of the aisle. There's no ball yet in this, things like that. And that's the whole goal. That's my goal. But onto the side of all of that is called the rough, and it's full of long grass and trees and obstacles. My golf gets worse the more I go into the rough. Did you know in life, your life gets worse when you wander away from God. And so when we understand the, 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 the principles of the boundaries of what God wants us, he invites us to play down the fairway of heaven, you know, and to bring us into that. A couple of things to understand about the Ten Commandments. Number one, it's about identity. If you follow these ways, I will be your God. Identity isn't about rules or regulations. It isn't about not doing and doing. It's about who are you with. And God says, if you live like this, you will be like me. And there's a key word here to understand identity is image bearers. We are made in the image of God to be like God in his character, that God is love, God is, is peace, and God is all of these incredible attributes. And he invites us to live and be like himself, to be selfless. You live selflessly, you live in the fair way of life, you live selfishly. Suddenly, things start to go wrong. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says, We are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and I will be their people. When God set these laws, he was creating an identity that we live by this standard, we live by these values, and we are together, and we're going to be different. The church of the living God is called to be different from the world. There is a distinct separation. We're not called to copy what the world is, but we're called to live differently, to talk differently, to think differently, to serve differently, to sacrifice differently, to live generously according to the way that God has got, because this is a calling on our life. 
every one of the Ten Commandments is linked to the character of God and tells us who he is. And when we understand who he is, we understand who we are. When we understand who we are, we know our identity and we can say that's just not our culture. We just don't live like that. We just don't think like that. We think differently because God has set us to live set apart. The second thing I want us to understand about the Ten Commandments is a 40-60 split. Okay, easy to do the maths. Four of the Ten Commandments talk about your relationship with God. The first four. The most important four. That actually God is number one. No other idols. You know, keep the Sabbath holy. They're all about the first four. Right, we need to put God right front and central. And you know what the rest six are? How we are with each other. If we find out the reasons behind the 40-60 split, number one, we put God first. And number two, we know how to look after each other. We know how to keep each other safe. Do not commit adultery. It's all about the building of families that grow together in safety. If you're under our adultery, it actually massacres community. It causes incredible hurt and pain. And those who have been recipients of that understand the split, understand the damage, understand the pain. And God says, I want us to live together in the context of community and in safety. And God has set standards that we do that to invite us to live in this incredible life-given community that is set for us. And each 10 is live for me. Live differently. The world will do it different. But you're different from everybody else. You're about carrying my name. You're the only, you know, humans are made in the image of God. We're the only things on this planet that carry God's image. And God wants to live in us. He wants to put his laws inside of us, his regulations, his requirements, his lifestyle, his standard, his character. He wants you to live like that. You go into your workplace, you go into your family, you go into your street, and you're carrying God. And there we are in this community of living out that God is number one. God's basic commandment, the creator of our human life. Whenever we want to better ourselves at New Year time, New Year's resolution, isn't it? You're going to come up in three months and you're going to make these calls already. Here's the thing. Don't wait for January. Make it now. Just the first piece of advice, isn't it? Don't put on another six pounds. Just stop eating now. You know, just save yourself over Christmas and things like that. Just think ahead. But most of our resolutions are about how can I better myself? How many of our resolutions go, how can I bring God into my life more? It's interesting, the Ten Commandments do that. They bring God in, front and central, into our life. And and oddly enough, the, the first one is, God is number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Is where we refuse to be distracted by anything else in our life. No other gods. Where do you draw life from? Who do you draw life from? What do you draw life from? Who is your life source that brings you alive? Who is the one that sets you free? Who is the one that gives you wisdom and guidance? There is your number one. And we can draw it from different things. The second commandment is no other idols. 
Don't make any graven image. And we just think quite literally into this when we're thinking about idols. And actually, it's like these kind of things that look like birds or look a little bit weird. And, and I don't have them in my house. I don't have a Buddha on my mantelpiece, Aaron. You might, but, you know, I don't kneel down and worship it, you know, things like that. But where are you drawing life from? We draw life from God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. But you know what? As humans, we find it in other places. I was taught that the TV was bad, by the way, as a child. I never had a TV as a child. My parents were quite religious. And so they kind of, the Bible says, thou shalt set no unclean thing in front of your eyes. So you take the TV out and you put it in the rubbish dump, don't you? And that's how you do it. And you understand that life, there's other unclean things that can get before your eyes. We have mobile phones now. We have pocket TVs. Do we kick out our phones? Is that, is that the answer? Or do we make a decision to put God front and central? See, idolatry can be split into three areas of our life. Fetishism, which is the worship of things. And that could be trees or rivers or hills or stones, but it could be food or drink or gadgets or fashion or homes or cars or Netflix. It can be any sort of things in our life. And do you know what? Those things accumulate into our life and they become more important from God. And actually they're a distraction to God and we know when they get in the way. It can be hedonism. It can be the pursuit of pleasure, sensual, self-indulgence, or sex. You know, and actually where we understand, you only have to turn on your TV and see every advertising strategy that's selling. If you buy this product, you'll be more sexually attractive to the opposite mate. And actually, it's bombarded with this. Why? It's an idol that's trying to feed the human condition. And if you have this one extra thing, then you'll be happy. And you grab the one extreme, and you're not happy, and you're frustrated, and so you try and do more of it, and we get up into a right mess of humanity in that. And God says, God is number one. I'm drawing you into a relationship, because when you know me, when you know God, when you know who I am, I am the source of your life, you'll find fulfillment. Sometimes we worship the sun or the moon, or the stars. And you think, I don't do that. I'm Westerner. Or we worship power. It might be an academic title. It might be a status, a degree. It might be letters after our name. And some of us get those things and go, I've got power. And we worship that in others. And that's what's most important. And we don't realize that God is the source of everything. It's the top of the ladder. There's nobody greater. There's no other name given under heaven than which men must be saved. Nobody else will save you. Get to the end of your life. And we sat before God. It won't be that in fact you had a degree. They will go, oh, you went to Cambridge. Come in. It's not based on that at all. It's based on how do we know who God is in our life. And the third way of idol that we put in life is hero worship. There is the worship of deceased ancestors, or heroes, or people, or celebrities, or influencers. You watch them on celebrity kind of programs, and I often ask the kids again, who are they again? You know, and they're like, Dad, this is this, such and such. And I'm like, and what are they famous for? And it's like, I don't know, really. They're famous for being famous, you know. They don't think have achieved anything. We live in that world of idol worship of culture. And actually, what am I following? Who am I following? Oh, they've got that jacket. I need to get that jacket. They're wearing those jeans or those trainers. Or oh, that's what's in. I need to get that. And we end up pursuing something. And we get lost and we miss 
out. See, the children of Israel did this. When Moses is up at the mountain, without Moses, by the way, the world appears not majestic and desolate, and the people build a golden calf as a substitute idol. Did you notice when Moses is up there getting all the blessing of God, they start to worry and they go, we need to build an idol, and they worship down this man-made thing. Takes Moses off a little bit. You understand why, don't you? He just spent three days in the presence of God, and suddenly they're worshiping something made of gold. Let me tell you, when you spend time in God's presence, nothing on the earth, nothing on the earth will come close to what you found in knowing Jesus. In the presence of God, and God is number one, is what we've been drawn into, into a living, dynamic relationship with God. And we need to switch the image. Because idolatry is when we hold an image in front of that. It could be a person in your life. It could be a dream that you're holding, and it's it's getting in the way of God. And God says, sweep it all up out. Because you're pitching out the rough. You're in among the weeds. You're in the trees, you're struggling, you're hacking in there. You can't get the ball out. Live differently. And let me tell you this. When you live differently, by removing idols and putting God as number one, the love of money, greed, disobedience, covetousness, the love of self, putting yourself first, or anything above God suddenly eradicates because suddenly you simplify and go, God, I am pursuing you, the eternal king. If you have your Bibles, I want to just turn to you this because I kind of want to come in as we start to land this thing. The highway of holiness. In Isaiah 35, verse 8, it talks about a highway of holiness. And I I like this because it just reminds me, by the way, of a fairway. And so I want to tell you this, by the way. I'm going to have a go, right? Charlene. God, let's put the flag up. There we go. Need to get that. All right. Can you on this side, okay? Can you just put your hands in the air? Can your temptation? Is that all right? And just wave, wave in your most tempting way. Just put your hands in there. Things like that. That's right. Like you're, you're the rough. That's right. That right. right. You're, you're the, the sea of distraction. There's a lake on this side. Can you just do this and look like a lake? Things like that. It's just a picture of things like this. I want us to understand when we live for God, okay, did you know it's the safest place for your ball to be, right? Can we have a bit of an awe? Because I'm going to head for that midline. Mike, it's okay. <laughs> Mike's slightly worried there, isn't it? We're all kind of, have you never seen me play golf, isn't it? Isn't it? Stop distracting me. Isn't it? I'm trying to head for Jesus here. It's, not as hard. it's a very narrow fairway. Yeah. It reminds me of the bit in the Bible where narrow is the way, you know, and wide is the path to destruction. Do you find that in life? You're trying to do right, and everybody's distracting you. And Okay, come on, that's right, isn't it? It's just a distraction, isn't it? But here's the principle. Here's the principle. When we follow the fairway, we are the safest. Our ball is going to be in the best place. Our life is going to be central. Let's see if we can live this out. Jesus, I just pray right now. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. If you hit up the first one, you quite hit the target. Didn't drop out. I don't know if you know this. I'll be really honest. I hate sin. Let me tell you why I hate sin, because I see what it does to you. But I get it's tempting. 
I get there's a deal that if you do this, if you lie, if you cover up, if you wander off, if you do this, you'll be distracted. I get, I get all of that. But I've seen what it actually does to us. Let me tell you, by the way, when it says the wages of sin is death, sin kills you. When I live according to God's standards, I find I'm in that fair way. And life gets simpler because I'm safer in God's commands. Let me give you a really simple thing. If I am faithful to my marriage and to Rachel, I am the best dad I can be to my kids. You understand? There's a choice that we have to make to live right. And actually build environments by which God I am focused on you. My favourite club is this one. Do you know what this is called? No, it's not a putter. <laughs> Josh, Josh, I'm trying to teach you how to play golf. This, this has got a great name, okay? This is called a rescue club. I don't know why, I can't design, describe the design. Whatever condition I hit the ball in, into the rough, this is the best club I have that will pull me out of the rough and get me back into the fairway. I call this the Jesus Club. This has saved me on the golf course more times than I can tell you. Because it's no doubt that you will end up in the rough of life. You will have said something, thought something, done something, and if you've done it repetitively, you're taking club after club and you're hacking away and you're getting further away from the fairway. We know this. This is sin. The wages of sin is death. We get caught up. Nobody's immune from sin in this room. If you think you're doing okay, it's because you've just lived closer to God and you're in the fairway. We are saved by grace. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those who take Jesus into their life and say, God is number one, are able to get out of the mess that they're in. So this fairway, this highway of holiness, is a safe place. It's a place of freedom. And it's also a place of reward. You live for God. You make God your number one. You will be safe. You will be free. And you will have the greatest reward in your life. And so we have decisions as a church to make, as a people of God, to follow his commandments. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to be honest before God. Let's ask the Holy Spirit for a little bit of help because we can sometimes deceive ourselves. Holy Spirit, give us truth right now. Is there anything in our lives that we have put in as an idol? That we are more focused on at the moment right now rather than you. Whatever comes to mind, why don't you confess that? I confess that as a sin. Knowledge, this is taking greater importance, and I'm sorry. And just in your prayer, just so you know, the repentance is the turning around of a position where your sorrow becomes a decision to go a new way. And right now, as you call on the name of Jesus, who brings forgiveness and he brings us out of the rough. 
and he pops us in the fairway. If you're new into church and you're new to the Christian faith and you're wondering whether you have to do certain things, let me tell you, Jesus is just bringing you out of the mess that you're in and he's straightening your life out. Why don't you just trust him and say, God, I'll make you number one. church for a little while and you know how this works you know there's certain things you trip up with too and God is just restoring you out of the rough help me God this week to live for you help me to live differently help me to remove the idols 